0: Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. History Makers In the late 18th century, William Wilberforce was converted. Almost single-handedly, he broke the shackles of slavery. People there were just totally different. We are looking at the footprint of God over the last 2,000 years. History Makers Since the Roman Legion destroyed Jerusalem in the year 70 A.D., The Jewish people have a nation of their own And he said, well no, Randy, we're not all just faking it There is a living hope, and his name is Jesus And I believe that that's really
1: why you're here Christ died for us History Makers Hi, and welcome to History Makers I'm Matt Prater Today we're speaking to Ben Fitzgerald from Awakening Australia How you doing, brother?
0: I'm doing really good.
1: How are you? <laughs> good, mate. It's so good to uh, get you on the radio today. I remember uh, meeting you a while back at the uh, the Brisbane event uh, launching Awakening Australia. So excited yeah. about what you guys are doing at Marvel Stadium, November 16 to 18. An amazing weekend. Uh, but uh, let's get to hear a bit of your story. Whereabouts were you born and raised, mate?
0: I was born in Geelong, Victoria, uh, raised there. Good Geelong boys supported the cats down there. And uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was raised in a Christian home with my family, my mother and father. So I grew up pretty much the first 10 years of my life knowing God, and it was a great city to grow up in.
1: And tell us a bit about your faith journey. Uh, there was a, a time where you, you strayed for a while. Tell us what happened.
0: Yeah, my father went to become a missionary. He was a golf professional, but he gave up that professional golf for the mission field actually he went to Africa and to cut a very long story short, he rang my mother from Africa. He said he started to see the walls moving. and So she said, look, something's going on in your mind. You need to come home. He came home and uh, they diagnosed him not long after that with paranoid schizophrenia and he never had that before. He went there and something happened. We didn't really know exactly what happened then. And so, um, I guess from there he just went downhill like really bad and. I would come home all the time. He'd just be sitting at the table. He was on heavy medication. He couldn't do anything. He was very active before. And uh, I still believed in God, and I used to pray to him every single day, actually, with my mother, that he would be healed or something would happen in his life. And um, and then when I was 10 years of age, my father told me on our very my very first fishing trip away from the house, he told me to catch him a fish. And so he gave me a hand rod fishing reel. Uh, I went away that night at 10 years of age, and I came back with a fish, which was a miracle that I actually got one. And uh, unfortunately, as I arrived back into the house, I walked into his bedroom, and I found him dead. He committed suicide. Mm. And so um, at that point, that's when I began to walk away. Like, my heart completely changed in one moment when I found my dad dead. I ran out of the house, and I, I didn't stop running, actually, in my heart till I was around 20 years of age.
1: Mm. So you spent a lot of time in the wilderness there with that that real wound in your heart. Uh, Tell us a bit about how it affected uh, your whole family.
0: Well, I became extremely angry, you know, And so I was always just, I I was a loving kid, and then I became very angry all the time, and I ended up being kicked out of high school at 14 years of age and starting work at 14 full-time, and um yeah, my whole family was affected. They were all really broken. It's a great tragedy and great grief. Maybe even someone who listens to this today can, you know, commiserate with that. They've gone through similar kind of griefs, and it just shocks you, rocks your whole family. And my mum was pretty strong. She kept her faith, and so did my sister and my brother, actually. But I did not. I began to get so angry, and so, you know, I walked away all the way until the point of 20 years of age, and I was at that point like a real prodigal son, i involved with prostitutes and dealing small-time drugs. I was really, really messed up for those those 10 years between.
1: And what brought you back?
0: Well, I was at a nightclub one night, and I had this experience where it was like all of a sudden I could see that everything here is fake. Like, I could tell everybody, like, they're putting tablets down their throat, they're drinking so much so that they can't even talk right. You know, I'm like, why am I, why are we all doing this? Why are we all trying to drown our pain, you know? And I was like, why am I here? What am I doing here? And so I left the nightclub. My girlfriend worked there and I left at four o'clock. I got home and in, in my house was like, I really hated light, physical light. I used to turn off all the lights and I, I didn't like to be around people so much. And so I turned off all the lights. I lit up a cigarette in my lounge room and by myself, there was no one else in the house. All of a sudden I had this overwhelming feeling come into the room. It's kind of like a mix between fear and yet absolute love and acceptance. And, and this feeling hit my heart, and I heard the voice of Jesus speak to me. He said, Ben, I love you. And he called me his son, and he began to speak to me. And I heard – it's, it's, some people are like, God, I don't believe you. It's like, well, I, I heard this voice for one hour. I was angry, bitter, tormented beforehand. And then one hour later, I was a completely different man. And so he spoke to me for one hour. And my girlfriend came home at 5 a.m., and she said to me, she's like, Ben, what happened to, what's happened to you? I was – I had tears in my eyes. She never saw that. You know, she just always saw this tough, angry guy, and uh, I said, Jesus spoke to me. She thought I was crazy at first, but within two weeks, um, she also turned her life to God because she saw such a, a significant, radical change.
1: And tell us a bit about your steps to ministry. Um, what, what what changed in your heart to, uh, you know, what, what are all the practical things that happen in your life to get to that, those steps where you got into ministry?
0: Yeah. Well, after that, I mean, I began to just, I didn't, there wasn't YouTube then, you know, it was like 16 years ago, so um, it wasn't, I didn't have a cell phone even, like a, a a mobile. I just started to do what the Bible says. I read the Bible three, four hours a day, and, and it just said they talked to everyone about Jesus, and they prayed to people. So I just started doing that every day. I'd go on the street, I'd go get a coffee, and i just start to talk to people about God. And uh, and several years later, I met uh, a man who led a Bible college in the United States and read in Redding, California. I went over there and I studied there for three years because I sensed that they really knew a significant, they had a significant relationship with God. They knew that He was powerful, that He could move on the earth today, that He's not just a God in the distance. And so I went over there, did three years of study there at the school. And after I finished that, um, they actually asked me, they said, would you stay on as, as staff? Would you become an ordained minister? And so I went down that road and, and at 30 years of age, I was ordained as a minister only six years ago.
1: And I've been watching your ministry for years because I, I watch a bit of God TV, and I remember seeing you uh, in these stadiums in Europe. And I'm like, "That's a young Aussie dude. I, I, I can tell that accent. He's an Aussie. How did you get in? How did you get into Europe?"
0: <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a crazy experience. Where how God placed it there. It was, I went to a field actually where Hitler spoke with a friend of mine named Todd White. We were there, and uh, and we were watching, just basically looking at all of these artifacts from where, what Hitler did, and. It's pretty shocking. I don't know if you've ever been over there, but if, if anyone listening wants to get over there, it's pretty shocking you see with the magnitude of the stuff he built, you know? And so we were just expecting to have a normal day of sightseeing. But at this one field where he particularly, he gathered a whole bunch of young people. We, um, we begin to pray and, and we just, just begin to thank God and say, God, thank you for Europe and God touch Europe. It was kind of, you know, the normal kind of prayer. It wasn't anything strikingly deep, but I had a very clear vision as we started to pray I begin to see all these different faces, uh, like kind of Ukrainian-looking, you know, heavy cheekbone and, and like Spanish-looking, darker skin. And then I saw Norwegian, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes. I saw all these different faces of European cultures, and they were saying the same thing. They were saying, God, would you take back Europe? Would you take back Europe? They were praying this. And so I felt like I was kind of joining their prayer. And I said, Todd, I'm seeing this vision. He said, I'm seeing the same thing. And I said, you're kidding me, bro. And so after that, I mean, Todd and I are both kind of loud people, you know, so we just talked about what we saw. And uh, and basically, with no favor in the German-speaking world, no favor in the churches even there, nothing to begin with, zero money in the bank, nothing, just a word from God, we begin this journey. And uh, I committed myself full-time to it. And 27,000 people rocked up around about a year and two months later in the same stadium that Hitler built for his glory. And to actually proclaim the Nazi kingdom, we proclaim the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus over Europe.
1: It's incredible to see the fruit uh, that you guys have seen through Awakening Europe. And I actually watched the doco the other day on the Australian Christian Channel. They've got it on their app, and I know they've added on, on their channel, uh, with uh, with you and your buddy Daniel Hagen. And yeah. uh, you shared a bit of your story about how you guys actually met in a connect group uh, many years ago, or a home group. Tell us a bit about how you, you and Dan have got to hang out.
0: Yeah, when I met Daniel, um, someone asked me to come and speak in a in a home group and they um there's an interesting thing, you know, because they really weren't the sort of same sort of Christian. I mean, we all love God, but they didn't really understand that God is powerful on the earth today, he can move today, and I did. And so they asked me to speak. I said, Are you sure you want me to come? They said, Yeah and, and they actually told me, they said, We have a young man now group, we want you to meet as well. And so when I got in there into the home group, I heard this guy playing guitar. Now, I heard a fair bit of, in that two years of being saved, I heard a fair bit of Christian music, and I'd been to church every weekend or so, you know, so I've seen worship leaders. But when I heard him play, there was something different on his life, I knew. I was like, this guy really loves God, I could feel the Spirit of God in his life. And so at that point, he heard me then preaching in the home group, and he, he felt the same. He's like, that guy really is on fire for God. And so we became great friends, and actually we, be, we began to work full-time together together In the same company and every day, all across Melbourne, everywhere we'd go, we'd preach about Jesus to people. (laughs) So we did that for years.
1: Well, it's a great story. And I think of uh, Joshua and Caleb, you know, you guys have been sent out to, to the nations, yeah. uh, and you've got a different spirit to everyone else, which is, uh, amazing how God is using you. So you guys are part of the Awakening Australia team. And, you know, uh, I've been just so pumped to be able to see, you know, you've got Nick Vojic, who's, you know, one of my favorite preachers ever, uh, amazing, uh, testimony of what God's done in his life. You've got Darlene yeah. Cech, uh, you've yeah. got, you know, Tim Hall, Catherine Renala, you know, lots of yeah. Aussies. Uh, you've got, you Know, many different churches, people from all around the world coming along. And uh, yeah. the reality is, to book Marvel Stadium for an event yeah. costs a lot of money, is <laughs> a, a lot, lot of work. You've got a big yeah. team, uh, but you've found God's provision every step you've taken along the way so far. Um, yeah. Tell us a bit about how this dream came about.
0: Yeah, God has never let us down, Matt. He's, um, always provided. And you know, for us, even if it's tight, even if we lose our fingernails, so to speak, in the, in the, the lead up, it's worth it for a person being transformed. And you know, this came to pass really based on a dream, uh, that I had and based on some discussions that Dan and I talked about in Europe. And, and we were like, if we're seeing this happen in Europe and some of these countries are, are so secular, you know, humanistic, surely God can do something big in Australia and he wants to, for us it wasn't just about an event. We were like he wants to commission and help the Australian Christian to love Australians, you know, and, and to, to reach Australians, not just to go overseas and do missions, although we celebrate that. But we had this real dream in our heart, like we want to see Australian people really care about their unsafe family and friends, or people that have never met God and, and begin to share the good news with them. And so Daniel actually rang me because he forgets sometimes that I'm in Europe. He rang me at like, it was four in the morning or something. And he woke me out of a dream where I was walking in this big stadium and I could hear this thunderous roar. It was like, you could feel kind of like the stadium was shaking the concrete underneath and they were yelling Jesus. And they were, it was really loud. And I was like, where are we? And I was walking next to a man in my dream. And he said, we're in Australia. <laughs> and so Daniel woke me out of that dream. And I said, bro, I said, God is going to do something in Australia. I said, I can feel it. And uh, I said, let's do this thing. So we committed from that point, And uh, like you just said, Since then, we've seen just miracle after miracle. But for us, again, it's not about event-based Christianity. We're really not about that. We're about making sure that people understand there is a historic time over our nation and that we need to act right now. You know, we can't change history on our couches just hoping it gets better. You know, we need to act and we need to move in our nation and bring the good news here. So Mm. that's really what it's about.
1: And I know something that you've been very outspoken about is that, it's time for us to stop playing games. It's time for us to stop yeah. uh, having, you know, denominational walls and barriers holding us back, uh, and that we need to just focus on Jesus, focus on the gospel, focus on winning souls. Just speak to that for a moment. You know how how important is it that we actually get this revelation that it's not about our own yeah. denomination, but it's about the gospel.
0: Well, I honestly, I don't understand it. I can't actually understand it. I, I get that people have disunity and stuff, but I don't understand it because we're going to go to heaven one day and we're all going to live in the same place <laughs> and we're all going to be part of the same family, you know, and we're not, Jesus is not going to separate us and say Baptists will live here and Pentecostals will live there. and I, I don't believe that at all. We might have little secondary differences, but we've got to stop playing these games of I'm going to find a reason to put up a wall against you. I'm mm-hmm. going to find a reason to put space between us. That does not seem like the heart of God to me, especially when we're the same family. And so... We've seen in, in history, a lot of other religions can unify very quickly. Millions of people gather together. And honestly, it makes us look a little bit disgraceful sometimes because we are so separated. and We have so many hundreds of denominations and uh, we fight over small things, whereas other places, other religions, they unify with millions of people and they basically enforce their their stuff in cities and, and bring their, you know, what they believe is their truth into cities. And we can't do that. We're always worried. Who is it from? Who's? behind it, that we get suspicious all the time. And I joke, Matt, <laughs> and I don't mean it in a harsh way at all, but I joke and I say, listen, we go to the football and we never turn to the guy next door to us in the stadium and say, excuse me, do you go to church or what church are you from? You know, mm. we're, we're quite happy to celebrate a game or going to the movies or stuff that we see in the world. We're quite happy to celebrate that with anybody. But when it comes to Jesus, for some reason we get very suspicious. I just think that God is over it. I think it's not working, and I think that the way that is working is when we make unity, we make it no longer an option. We say, this is no longer optional, because Jesus said we're one family. And, of course, we'll have some knickknacks to work out. We'll have some rough edges to work out in that process. But if we can do that, we can show Australian people a true unified face of Jesus that isn't against itself, you know, and it's actually, it's got all its arms reaching out into the world.
1: Well, I'm so excited about what God is doing. And, of course, if people want to find out more, the website is awakeningaustralia.org, and they can search up Awakening Australia on Facebook and uh, uh, all the – and there's a lot of Aussie speakers as well. There's lots of internationals, but, I mean, it's great to see you've got Aussies like Darlene Cech, Phil Pringle, uh, Nick Vujicic, of course. Uh, You've also got – Lots of other uh, events on. There's a, 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 an encouragement for people to pray at 7 p.m. every day for Australia. I don't know many people are doing that. Um, Thousands, yep. I know you've, you've got people going out on the streets, handing out tickets, inviting people along. Uh, just yep. mentioning some of the other Aussies, Shane Baxter, Peter McHugh, Margaret Court, Tim Hall, Catherine Nanala. It's so good. I, I'm going to be there hanging out for the weekend. I'm, I'm taking a crew. Uh, and, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to do some radio interviews too, mate. So hopefully you can open some doors for me while I'm there. Uh, I'll but, talk to the boss. <laughs> talk to the boss. But we're just believing it's going to be a great weekend and it's going to trigger something in Melbourne. And all around our nation for revival yeah. um, it's time for Australia isn't it mate hey?
0: Matt that's so true and I'll say one thing just on that point that's really great what you said there because this event there's actually more people registered from outside of Melbourne than there is Melbourne so mm. what that says to me is that this is a nationwide thing and that God is waking up his church to see something great happen in our country.
1: Wonderful, well Ben it's so good to catch up with you today mate I reckon you're a history maker, thanks for joining us
0: Thanks Matt, bless you my friend